Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. So good to be able to talk to you about Jesus, our certain hope. Jesus, our certain hope. So I'm going to ask you a question. What in your life is uncertain? <laughs> Just give me some things. What, what are some of the things that are out there in your life, in your world, that are uncertain? Health. <laughs> I don't, I actually reckon that's a certainty there. Uncertain. Work, work. Weather, like that storm last night. Where did that come from? Although I did read in the news that there were ferocious storms planned for the next couple of days. So, although I got to tell you, bomb, B O M. Uh, people were questioning why didn't bomb forecast that big lot of rain that fell in Cairns? Well, you could have said that the same thing about the big lot of rain that fell two years ago in Brisbane and down in Northern Rivers. Uncertain, right? What else is uncertain? Politics. Politics. Sure, absolutely. What else? Death. Death. Whoa, well, that's the big one, right? He's dropped that. Death. What else? Interest rates. Oh, some people just had a trigger moment there. Yeah, it's been tricky with the interest rates going up. Good for people with cash in the savings, but not good with a mortgage. Tomorrow. Simple. What about an hour's time? There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, this year, for me, has been a year of uncertainty. Um, Michelle came to me, and I've told you this before, but for those who are new amongst us... Um, I was diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer back in March, which feels like forever now. But um, before that, Michelle had been retiring from, um, from ministry, paid ministry, and she asked the Lord for a word for me, and the word was um, a picture of me falling down off a cliff. And I, I said, Can, when she told me the, the, the picture... I said, can you go and ask the Lord for another, <laughs> another picture? And, and I'm falling off this cliff and I'm falling and then I fall on a rock. And then God speaks these words. Better that he fall on the rock than the rock fall on him, which is a quote from scripture. And um, little did I know at that point what that meant. So when she shared that with me, I was uncertain as to what might happen. But, you know, my relationship with God has, has been throughout the years that there's been so many things in our life that have been uncertain. Um, what comes next? You know, when, you're, when you don't have a job, when you don't have a house to live in, where your car breaks down and, and you don't know how are you going to get that car fixed because there's not enough money? Um, we, we, for many years, uh, lived in rental accommodation. So we never knew when our leases were up, 
whether we would have a place to live and where we would go next. We were always living out of a place of uncertainty. But the thing that, as I look back, that has remained consistently true is God's faithfulness in my uncertainty or in our uncertainty. He's absolutely certain. Jesus is our certain hope. Because as I look back, I look back and go, wow, God saw that coming and he had a plan and he's looked after us. So I want to talk to you about this God, um, this Jesus, who's our certain hope in a world which is filled with uncertainty. In fact, the, the Bible uses this word hope in a very different way to the way we use it in everyday world. How would you use the word hope normally? Like the Bible uses the word hope in a particular way about Jesus and it's different from the way we use it like when you're talking to stuff. So give me some examples. It's wishful thinking, but yeah, but give me an example of a wishful hope. I hope you have a good day. Over here. Oh, this side's gone to sleep. I hope what? I hope I get this bike for Christmas. Me too. <laughs> Come on. You've already got how many? Never enough. Never enough. What else? I hope you don't preach too long. Yeah. Come on. Just for that, just for that, I've got a certainty. We'll be out of here at 11 o'clock. I hope. It's kind of like that's wishful thinking, right? Um, I hope, I hope, I hope. And, and it's kind of this wishful thinking. It's certainly not certain hope. When the Bible uses this word hope, it's always certain. There's this kind of ironclad guarantee to it. There's this real sense that when God says, it's going to happen. It's like, Old Testament prophets talked about a saviour, as Brad, Pastor Brad said, and when the prophet said it, it was going to happen. And we have this beautiful picture um, of these two older people uh, in the temple when after Jesus is born on the eighth day when he was meant to be consecrated to the Lord and a sacrifice made, you have Simeon and Anna who are elderly prophets who'd been waiting all their life for the hope of Israel. And this hope was being held on to because it wasn't wishful thinking, it was going to happen, just people didn't know when. And I'm going to tell you today, right now, that that's my faith in a God is that you don't, He will always be faithful to you, you just don't know how it's all going to work out. And the when part is the part that I struggle with. Hands up, all who are with me. <laughs> the when. We struggle because we want it when? And when, when does God give it to us? His perfect time. He gives it to in Jesus' time. And the thing that I want you to know is this, that in my life, in my, the way with what's happened in my life, I'm feeling absolutely great. In fact, I went to the specialist and the specialist told my last specialist appointment, had a blood test and... Um, the cancer that uh, the metastatic prostate cancer feeds off testosterone, and so they have this 
blood tests that they do to measure how much chest testosterone you have. And my last result was pretty much zero. It was 0 0.8, 0.08, which is pretty much zero, which means that I still have um, hot flushes. And I feel still... Yeah, if you... And I still get, get my credit card out when I go spending money everywhere. And Michael, do you feel the pain? For no reason. Another pair of shoes. Oh, I just lost half the audience. So we want to talk about Jesus, our certain hope. Uh, I want to... Uh, I want, you know, I, it's really easy for us because we're looking back in history to one point in history at Christmas, and that point is Jesus' birth. But as I look back, I can't get to that point. In actual fact, I realise that as I read the Bible, I actually go past his birth back to where? To the beginning and beyond. Because Jesus actually didn't have a beginning. He had a birth, but he was forever. It's different from me and you. We're not reincarnated. It's like we, we, we actually have a beginning. You know, we, we were conceived and then we became a child. And that was the first time we ever existed. Jesus lived before. He became a human. But I love the fact that when I look at Jesus' birth, I can't go past the fact that he ascended, that he, we go backwards. What happened before he ascended? He rose again. We're going backwards. He ascended, he rose again, he was buried, he died on a cross, he was tortured, he was, he was, sorry, betrayed. He, he lived and revealed the kingdom of God through the good news message and signs and wonders. And, and he grew up for 30 years and we don't know very much as a carpenter and a carpenter's son and then we go back and then we get to the, th the three wise men or yeah three wise men you get to the shepherds you get to the manger and you get to Mary and the angels and and then you get the birth uh, you get the conception of Jesus and Jesus is this, this big and God the father sends his son into human flesh and that becomes the story upon which I am certain. That is my certain hope. That the one who, who actually, before he had human form, went, let there be light. John called him the word. The one who said, let there be day and night. John called him the word. The one who said, let them be made in our image John called him the word he has become our certain hope he is not wishful thinking he's not mythical and you might have problems with Christians you might have problem with Christian leaders you may have problems with the church and let me tell you you might have a problem with me right especially if I preach too long there's so many uncertainty. There's so many shortfalls. There's so many fallibilities in humanness and in God's church. 
But listen, I've got to tell you, come back and put your attention on the one thing that's absolutely certain and sure. And the one person that you cannot have a problem with, and that's Jesus. He's our certain hope. Um, during, during my annual leave um, uh, in our life group, I'm in about three or four life groups with Michelle. We're trying to teach people to get into life groups and I hope you can get as many people here into life groups in 2024 because I love them because we, we meet together, we share what God's doing in our life, we read the word together, we pray together and we work together to share Jesus with others, right? That's a life group. But one of the things was we read this passage from Colossians chapter 1 and one of our outcomes from reading the Bible together was that what are you going to do to put this passage of scripture into practice? And I said... I want to memorize this passage, which was 10 verses long. No, eight verses long. And so for the last month, I've been living in Colossians 1, chapter 15 to verse 20. And we're going to read it together. And I want you to t tell me as we read it, um, how many things, times the word things occurs in this passage. All right, there's all things and everything's but there's no word nothing. You won't find a nothing in this passage. All right? Just all things and everything, but I need you to count with me, okay? Because this is part of why Jesus is our certain hope. This is actually a passage that Paul put together, and you've got to remember that throughout Jesus' life, um, people underestimated him all the time. Constantly. Right up to his death, and even during the times when he's appearing before his disciples, people underestimated who he was. And this letter written to the church in Colossae, or Colossi, whatever you like to call it, potato, potato, um, is written many, many years after Jesus' return to his father to prepare a place. And the church is coming to grips with who he is. He's not just a man. He is, he is human and God poured into him. And he lived on earth and he was this creator. And he was the first person to rise from the dead and keep alive, stay alive. And he's actually coming back. This is a story that they realized who Jesus was and Jesus became their certain hope in a world. Let me tell you, being a Christian, first century, wow, you think it's tough here. First century Christians, man. If they were Jewish, they got persecuted. If they were Gentile, they got persecuted. And no one loved you. But Jesus became their certain hope. This is the passage I've been reading. If I could just have a little bit of help there, Caleb, just to get me going. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. 
You're going to have to keep helping me, Caleb. This is not working. All things. How many are we up to? All things have been created through him and for him. He's before. And in him, all things hold together. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is the head of the body. And this, he's the people, he's the church. (laughs) And he is the beginning. And he's the firstborn from among the dead. So that, and this is the first everything, so that in he might have the for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile himself to himself all things. Whether on or things in by making through his blood shed on the cross. Let's go back. If you can go back. Thank you, Caleb. I don't know why this is not working. Can you go back to the next one. And next one. Let me go through this little bit by little bit. He is the image of the invisible God. In Genesis, we have a picture of, of Jesus, the creator, the word, said, let them be made in our image. Paul picks up on this and he says, he is the image of the invisible God. God, who's invisible, becomes human just like the first Adam. He was made in the likeness of God. Now, God didn't ever have a physical image. He was what? He's invisible. So when man was made to be like God, what's he talking about? Spiritual. A spirit being different from all the other creations. But Jesus comes and he is the image of the invisible God. He is humanity and he is God come together. And then there's this next phrase, the firstborn of all creation. I'm the firstborn son in my family. I'm not the firstborn in my family, but I'm the firstborn son. And that means very little today, except that I'm the firstborn son. But back in this, this time, there was a very different understanding of what a firstborn son was, or the firstborn, if we had a firstborn son. The firstborn son was responsible and they became the heirs, and they, had to, they were given the job of looking after the whole family. They were the heirs, but they were also responsible. And when Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, he's not saying Jesus was created. He's saying he was responsible over all creation. How good is that? He is responsible. And verse 16, for in him All things were created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and by Him all things were created, says John. Things in heaven, heaven 
Has heaven got things? If I could actually, if I could actually turn your eyes into spiritual eyes, if I could somehow peel back the veil between physical, the physical world and the spiritual world, you'd see the heavenly realm. When you think of heaven, you probably think of golden streets and stuff like that, but there's a heavenly realm which is spiritual, which has got angelic beings, which has got the presence of God, which has got this spiritual reality that we can't see with our human eyes, but one day we're going to be aware of it and living in it. And God, in him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth. Nothing exists without God, without Jesus. And on earth, nothing you see. Look at each other. You're, look at each other and say you're a direct result of what God did. <laughs> Go on, say that to one another. And by the way, God, God doesn't make mistakes. So Paul goes on, he says, visible and invisible. And then this is really weird, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, he's talking about governments. That's really, I find that really hard, especially the bad ones. God allows bad governments. There is nothing, what, what Paul's saying here is there is nothing outside of God's hand. Even the things that, that don't look right, God allows, but God has also got a bigger plan afoot. This is where the uncertainty comes and you go, God, why do you allow evil? Why do you allow bad things? Why do you allow bad government leaders? Why do you allow bad people to do bad things? And God goes, I allow them, but then I have a plan for that. And if you could click me for it. All things have been created through him and for him. When you're the creator, who owns it? It's for you. But it was made through him and it's made for him. Now, this is the, the, the line I really like. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. I want you to just stop and think about your uncertainty right now. And I want you to ask yourself, do I really believe that God holds all things together? There's a song, you hold it all together. You know what that song is? Did God really hold the things that you're uncertain about together? Does he hold your tomorrow? Does he hold your job? Does he hold your mortgage payments? Does he hold your health? Does he hold all these things together? Let me tell you, I can tell you for an absolute fact and it's absolute certain that this world, this earth would cease to exist if God wasn't holding it all together. Why? Just take the, the, the world with humanity in it. Don't take away the physical the natural creation, that part of it, if you just take the part that we have access and stewardship over, if, if God wasn't holding all things together, we would have destroyed this earth a long time ago. We, we do a pretty good job in the Second World War with the creation of the nuclear bomb. Do you reckon it is, by, it is not by God's design that, that, hasn't, that humanity hasn't self-destructed yet? 
God is at work and he's holding all things together, including the physical world that we live in. By the way, it just tells me something. When people talk about uh, climate change and our attempts to change climate change through our, the activity that we give into it, I just want you to remember this. Our ability to control, our ability to change what, what's going on in the earth is so limited. It's so limited. What humans can do is to, to reduce carbon and to reduce global warming. It's good, but you know what? One great big volcano blowing up and all our efforts are nothing. So the thing is, is that we think that we can control things that we can somehow but really it's him that holds all things together and all things were created through him for him oh that was a repetition and Caleb if you could keep going and he's the head of the body the church he's the beginning the firstborn from the I've got good news for you and good news for me good news for you Michelle one day I'm going to die <laughs> but that's not all one day I'm going to die but Jesus is my certain proof that I will rise from the dead. Amen. This body is short term and I've got a long term body coming. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'm already starting to look very melty. I'm like, I'm like a snowman. Getting older, getting wrinklier. Anybody else in the room feeling that? All the young people who don't feel like that, put your hand up. One day it's going to happen to you. <laughs> but I've got good news for you. It doesn't matter whether you live a long time or a short time. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. That means that this life is not the only life that you will live. And when you put your heart, faith in him, then he promises you, you will have eternal life and you will have a new body and that body will not wear out. It will not get cancer. It will not get sick. It will have no sin in it and it will live together with him. Yes. And he's living proof. You want living proof? Jesus is living proof. And I love this, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And I love the fact that God was pleased. He was really pleased. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it, ah, oh, you humans, so tired of you, I'll send my son. No, we learn in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And what did he do to give his only son? He took all his fullness that was in his son and he brought it, and that's why Christmas is so amazing, that all the fullness of God gets put into a little tiny cell that grows into a baby, which is born into a manger, which is a feeding trough. And no one recognises him, except a few strange shepherds. God was pleased to do that. How much does God love us? Enough to become like us. Uh, the word humble comes to mind. And that humility breaks me every time I think about it. You become like me? You become like us. You put all that fullness that you are, your greatness, you're amazing, and you would just limit yourself to the space and time and into this flesh, this fallible 
inferiorness and your superior, your supremacy would come into this. I just feel so loved by that. If you could click me on. And this is the part that, that is beautiful. And this is where we look back and we find this. And through him to reconcile himself to all things. How much? Now, reconciles this word, which probably in, in, in uh, a different word in English would be to recover. To, to reconcile, to cover over, to recover. To recover all things. Do you have somebody in your life who's a tragic? Do you have someone in your life who annoys the heck out of you? Do you have someone that you actually dislike a lot? Do you have somebody in your life that hurts you a lot? Do you have someone in your life that you call an enemy? In Jesus, he comes and he says, I'm going to reconcile all things to him for himself. Do you know what? When you look at somebody who's like that in your life, Jesus wants you to say, I want you to take what I've done for you and I want you to give that to them. Whether they know it, whether they don't know it, and whether they realise it or not, what I've done for them is I've recovered all things for, my, for, for, my, for myself. He says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Do you know that this earth is physically, the physical creation, the natural creation, it's not, you know, the polar ice caps are not doing too good right now and there's a lot of stuff happening in the earth. Do you, when, I, when our friend Maddie, who got bone cancer and died, we had to sit down and said, you know what the world's going to look like? When Jesus comes back and he makes all things new, I said, just imagine, we've messed up a lot and there's still some beautiful places left. Can you imagine what it would look like when all things are reconciled and made brand new again? I, I was up the Sunshine Coast and I go to Noosa National Park and I go, God, can it be better than this? And God goes, yes. Because the way I had it at the beginning was perfect and it's going to come back that way. But here's the beautiful thing. The reconciliation is not just on the physical nature, but it's you and me and one another and humanity living together in peace. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I want you to know Jesus' reconciliation, his recovering affects not just your relationships with one another, but it affects your relationships with him and you. This is my certainty. The one who created me saved me. The one who created me and became a child. The one who knows all things, has everything under him. There is nothing in, under heaven and earth that he doesn't have. Let me tell you people, I have a certainty about this. And if I leave you with anything today, is that you have got an opportunity to put your trust and faith in a God who is completely certain about your future and about the future of this world. Why? Because he was at the beginning, he's in the middle, and he's in the end. If there... Your tomorrow, what you're struggling, your uncertainty, Jesus is your certain hope. There are many things in this world that you can be uncertain about, but there's one thing you can be certain about, and that is Jesus. He is, 
and has always will be and always or has been and always will be certain about everything that's happening. All things, everything. And there's nothing outside of him. Is that it? Are you going to get more excited than that? (laughs) I like the last line, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is all we're going to read. The rest of this song that Paul wrote, which is probably being sung by people in the churches throughout the time. This is just part of a song. It goes on and it talks about Jesus comes and he reconciles through his physical death and giving of himself so that we will no longer be alienated and enemies, but that we will be reconciled with him. Can I just say to you, Jesus the baby comes with the greatest gift, and that's looking backwards, comes with the greatest gift to you, all of you here today. If you do not have certainty about your life now and your life in the future, Jesus comes with a gift at Christmas to you, which is his whole life. His whole life on earth was 33 years, but he's got a whole life much bigger than that. And he comes with all that he is and everything that he has and there's nothing left out of it. And he says, I came to give it all to you, to make it all new and make you new. Will you put your faith in me? Will you put your faith in the one who is, he is the invisible, he's the image of the invisible God. Will you put your trust in him? Will you put your trust in the one who through his death on the cross and then his resurrection has come to make peace between you and God and what's more between you and others. I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes with me today. Perhaps you have great uncertainty. Um, I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, there may be uncertainty in your life today and you want to commit it to God. Then I'm just going to ask you, while everybody's closing their eyes, just to stand where you are and we're going to pray for you. Could be, or any of those things we talked about before. Is there uncertainty in your life you would like prayer for? Health? Making the budget work, family relationships, the problem with your neighbour next door, people that you know hate you and you're wondering whether I hate them, things that need reconciling, uncertainties, things that are broken, things that need the presence and the power of the God who is over all things and has everything under him. You tomorrow. We want to pray for you right now. Perhaps you want to give your life to Jesus who is over all things. I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to pray for you.
Holy Spirit, we just say, you come to reveal Jesus, the one who is all things. We come and we pray for these ones who are standing here today. We dedicate to you their uncertainty, what they don't know. That we deliver up to you, the one who holds all things, who holds all things together, who knows all things, who created all things. And we come and we say, Lord Jesus, would you receive their uncertainty? Would you come and would you be their certainty? Would you be their certain hope right now in their hearts? Lord, we pray for reconciliation between fighting ones. We pray for the unanswered desires, for breakthroughs that are needed in relationships, for those who have gone astray, Lord, that they'd be come back to you. For impossible relationships that seem too hard to reconcile, we pray, would you do a miracle in them? For people who are standing, who have got illness in their body, we just declare the blood of Jesus to make them well. To those who are struggling, Lord, to know where the next dollar is going to come from and how those dollars will meet the bills, I just pray, Lord, divine abundance now. Lord, that you would cause your abundance and your ability to make that work, Lord. Provide for them. Jehovah Jireh, speak your name into that in Jesus' name. Lord, you've seen them stand in faith, so we just declare over their faith, go. The Lord has heard your prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the God of all things. We thank you, Jesus, that all things belong to you. So we come with our uncertainties. Thank you that we can put our certain hope in you, our living hope, our ongoing hope, Lord. And to those who want to give their heart to Jesus right now, I speak to you. Pray this with me, dear Jesus. I want to acknowledge who you are. I want to acknowledge that you are the image of the invisible God. I want to acknowledge that you created all things. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again. I want to acknowledge that you forgave my sins on the cross and I ask you to forgive me right now and ask you to pour your fullness into me and come and give me eternal life give me new life right now I pray make me brand new thank you I take hold of you and you have now become my certain hope in an uncertain world 